Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast, a studio DNA podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. You can become a patron of our show and the Studio DNA Network by going to patreon.com slash studio DNA to find out more. Now, here's the show. blessed with a new sponsor for the show and that's right it is the south dakota tourism board nothing says let's travel across the country like a trip in december or january like let's go to south dakota and here to tell us about it straight from south dakota he makes a trip from the entire I-90 all week long, he's driving up north. He's all over the place. And you know what? His name is Frank Dakota. He's the director of the South Dakota Tourism Board. Here he is, Frank Dakota, to tell you about South Dakota tourism. Hello, Jack. Don't you know, it's Frank Dakota of the South Dakota Tourism Board calling from Spearfish, South Dakota, where it is a wonderful negative 25 degrees. Don't you know, Spearfish is one of the best places to spear ginormous walleye. That is why they call it Spearfish, don't you know. Another place you may want to travel to if you're looking for adventure is Huron. Have you ever wondered where Lake Huron got its name? It is because of Huron, South Dakota, don't you know. And tourists to South Dakota would sure be missing out if they didn't travel to Watertown. Don't you know, it is one of the few towns in the world that is made out of water. Well, Jack, I gotta go, don't you know. I have lunch plans with Wild Bill Hickok and the James Brothers in Deadwood today. Well, I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's from the people with great faces and great places. Don't you know, it's gotta be South Dakota. I, I tell you right now, um, we're so glad to have the South Dakota Tourism Board on board with us. Uh, I wasn't sure if that would, uh, you know, what what to expect, but I'm. It makes me want to go to South Dakota. I've been there before. Have you ever been to South Dakota, Scott? We have been to South Dakota. Uh, tell me a little bit about your trip. So, don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? It was on our way to North Dakota. Okay. Yeah. And we, uh, we, we, we don't want to hear from them. No, of course not. They're the, the more northern of the Dakotas. Right. We're from the south, South yes. Dakota. And we did actually stop a night in Watertown, a town made entirely of water. That's weird. How's it made of water? Uh, it's ice because it's cold in South Dakota all year round. <laughs> so, uh, folks, that voice you hear is Scott Bryant. Scott Bryant, welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast. It's an honor to be here. 
Uh, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> and we've got producer Phil along for the ride. Uh, folks, uh, join us in on the live chat on Spreaker at Spreaker.com, and then just search for the Horror Movie Podcast and sign up over there, and you can follow along with this great conversation uh, live whenever we record it. Uh, so you, my friend, um, currently uh, we, 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 we're both educators. We both teach together. And you and I both um, are hosting a podcast called The Commute. And it's about our commute to work. And we have hawk sightings, literal hawks. Um, we have a great sponsor on that show as well called XBO Logistics. And folks, I want you to turn to someone this week and say, do you have a logistical <laughs> need? Do, do you need a logistics to be improved in your life? Look no further than the friendly faces and friendly places places they'll go. XPO Logistics, that's right. XPO, we have a drawing every week um, on our show uh, for free shipping from your factory from one place to another. It's a, actually half price, rewind. XPO is crazy, but they're not that crazy. Uh, <laughs> they're just giving things away. They are. Uh, anyway, so long story short, we have a lot of fun on that show. Um, this show, the Horror Movie Podcast, we have a great movie called Left Behind the Movie. Now, that's right. It's the Kirk Cameron version of this movie. We did the Nick Cage version once, and um, with my friend Steven, he and I did it. I didn't know if we'd ever do this movie, but I thought you with your – you have a theological degree, uh, a master's degree, um, and I thought you would be a great person to really get some, some checks and balances on this movie to really help us through this. I hope I don't let you down. Uh, tell us about this series uh, of books that you read. So the series of books, uh, apparently there are 16. Gosh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was 12, but, uh, you know, 16 is probably right. Mm -hmm. And I read them sophomore, junior, senior year through college. Um, I was one of those people, when they came out, I was there, bought the ones hard, co hard copy. Whoa. So... I got all those, read them cover to cover. Uh, first one was good. Second one was okay. And then they progressively got, I don't want to say worse. It just got weirder. And so <laughs> by the, so maybe that's, maybe that's worse than saying we, uh, worse, I guess. Yeah. It was nice of you to say it that way. But, but Tim yeah, LaHaye says thanks. But by the end, it was just, you're just reading and it's just like, I know how this ends and eh, I, I don't know. So it was. It was good uh, to read those. Um, I enjoyed them. But I don't know that uh, outside of the Left Behind Book Club, whether I'll read them again or not. So, Well, uh, and that we talked about that too. Um, they are definitely, uh, they're definitely out on audiobook. Uh, we like, like we said, the live chat folks, if you want to uh, join in ever, go to Spreaker.com and you can uh, get our show on there. Um, it's fine. And then... Um, the audiobooks definitely, I think, are available. I bet you could find these audiobooks at your public library at this point. I, I bet we could, and and on days the commute doesn't run, we could listen to them on our commute. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I don't think I really want to do that. Um, but I will say this. Uh, we talked about in the uh, pre-show about the – that's the patron-only pre-show. We talked about um, uh, our book club. We need to start the Left Behind book club. 16 books. We, we would be this book club the rest of our lives. Meeting once a week, once a month, what would we meet? If we met once a week, a chapter a week, yes. 16 books, 
if they average around, my head already hurts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be there for a long time. Um, we'll meet at uh, Village Inn or something and have some pancakes and read some. Or an omelet. Ooh, that would be a great, yeah. great thing to have right now. Um, Lord loves. Lord knows I love an omelet. Um, so let's do this. Uh, on this show, Scott, we have some segments. One of the segments is a segment we like to call Time for Some Deets. That's the details of the movie. Uh, that's right. Left Behind the Movie! <laughs> I wanted it to be as epic as possible. I hope that came off, came across on audio. I, I really leaned back, so maybe I didn't <laughs> scream in your ear. Did it scream in their ears? No, it was, it was fine. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Left Behind the Movie! <laughs> Directed by Vic Saren. Vic Saren is the actual founder of Saren Gas, which is very toxic and kills you. Thanks, Vic. <laughs> Produced by George Goodman, Paul Lalonde, Peter Lalonde, Ralph Winter, and a cast of thousands. Written by Joe Goodman, Paul Lalonde, and Alan B. McElroy. He will be McElroy. That's right. Alan B. McElroy. Based on the Left Behind uh, book series by Tim Hey and Jerry B. Jenkins. <laughs> Junie B. Jones' dad. All right. Starring Kirk Cameron. That's the older brother of Candace Cameron, formerly from The View. Um, but I think she got shouted <laughs> off that show, which would make sense. Joy, not, Joy, Joy Behar, <laughs> let her have it too many times. Thanks, Joy. Uh, you're a real... Yeah, that's the show that everyone knows Candace Cameron for. So. <laughs> uh, oh, she's on Fuller House. Yeah. Uh, this guy is the brother. If you don't know, Kirk Cameron is the brother of the girl from Fuller House. Yeah, Just yeah. to update you a little bit. Also, he uh, debates some scientists on some videos online, too, if you ever want to see that. Man. Anyway, I won't get into that here. But I, I won't get too heavy here. Brad Johnson stars as Rayford Steele, the pilot with a heart of gold that uh, that uh, Nick Cage played in the movie version. Or in the big, big, the uh, the newer version. The reboot. Gordon Curry, Janaya, Janaya Stevens, Clarence Gilliard, who is Trevet. Trevet, Texas Ranger. Yes. And (laughs) Chelsea Noble, who is Kirk Cameron's wife, I think in real life, or at least at one point was. Colin Fox, no relation to Megan Fox. Uh, Music, James Coville. Okay. Release date was (laughs) Halloween 2000 on DVD. And uh, February 2nd, so only about four months later, on uh, in in the theater, short run in the theater, 100 minutes long. Um, budget was four million dollars. Box office 4.2 million. We did it! We did it! We made money. We did it! All right. So anyway, uh, another great segment on this show, Scott, is a segment that's made us a billion dollars. And when I say a billion dollars, it's in that same fictional world that Nikolai Carpathia lives, where it's not a real billion dollars. It just is. He made it up. Um, and you have 30 seconds to try to tell us all about this movie. Can you do it as a question? <laughs> Only 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds to tell us all about this movie um, from very beginning to very end. Be very clinical. You have 30 seconds. And go! So there's this guy who get uh, who is a pilot, and he's having an affair. And then they're on a plane, and lots of people get disappear. And they can't figure out why. And then we go to the ground and lots more people have disappeared. And so we spend the rest of the movie trying to figure out why they disappeared. Side note, somebody starts working with the UN and there's this whole terrorist movie on the side thing that goes along. So we have terrorist movie and disappearance wrapped up with biblical themes. 
intrigue and deception. That's right. He did it. Good job. That was really good. Um, I like how you go, okay, well, they're on a plane, and some people, they get disappeared. I like it. It was like an action. You know, it happens. It's all right. So, I, I verb nouns all the time. Me verb, me too. Me action nouns knowing too. Um, <laughs> me read, good. All right, so uh, when we come, we'll be right back, uh, and we're going to talk about the plot of this delicious, delicious movie. It's so awesome. I love it. Be back. That's right. It's time for the plot, the meat and potatoes of this movie. And here with us is Scott Bryant. Scott, welcome back. Uh, glad to be here. Um, Scott, you grew up on the mean streets of St. Petersburg, Russia. I did. It was, uh, and I managed to lose the accent. So uh, was... Right. Um, you had a world-renowned track career uh, in shot put and discus, yeah. hammer throw. Yeah, hammer throw, of course, and not a hammer like a track thing, like a claw hammer. Oh, They're... sickle, hammer, hammer, and sickle. Yeah, well, you put the sickle on the ground, and then you your... throw the hammer. Oh, I like it. Um, so Nikolai Carpathia, you went to high school with him, right? The main, the main bad guy in this movie. Yeah, he was he was in, the, in different crowds than I was. Uh, he was a member of the I think of the NWO and D- NWCW as well, because uh, he's looking to make this new world order happen. All right, so whoo, Wolfpack in the house. Um, so <laughs> this movie, Buck Williams, GNN reporter, he reports live from Israel, uh, where there's a crop miracle worker named Kaim Rosenweig. Rosenweig. Uh, he's uh, they're in Israel as he they're talking about this wheat that Kaim has been able to grow in the desert of Israel. It's a miracle. How did you do it, Mr. Rosenweig? Well, I uh, cross germinated uh, some rocks and I had some uh, magic pixie dust and it doesn't even matter, but I've been able to do it. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> and so. As he's talking, overhead, you hear this World War II sound plane effect coming over. And they look up, and there's some really bad CGI'd planes flying over. And they're like, what is that? Is that the Israeli army? And he's like, no, that's not the Israeli army. That's a war planes. And he, he says at some point, it's the Arabs and the Russians. Which is like, wow, you're really quick to figure that out. They literally, he's like, we must take cover. They're in this field in the desert, Scott. Yeah. They take cover, and they go in this little shackled house, and then they go into this basement, and it's a war room. Like, how did they get here? (laughs) What? Like, it's this weird, like, do you not know that you're just out in this field in the desert, and now you're magically... In the bu- in the basement in the bunker, they grew that just like they did the wheat in the desert. It was a miracle. <laughs> it was yeah. So so the uh, the planes fly over. They start bombing. It goes. It becomes pitch black. Meaning this is biblical stuff here. The the sky goes black. Then all of a sudden, check this out. It's the Arabs and the Russians flying over. Right. They these planes just start blowing up, on their own, blowing up in the air. He gets his camera out and starts filming it. Buck does, because he's a GNN reporter. And he is filming, he's filming in the sky. The Buck, Buck Williams here for GNN. And I, I don't know what's happening, but these planes are exploding on their own. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, you can think about this. 
knowing the end of the movie, the reason these people disappeared, I mean, so were these the good guys? Their planes are blowing up and they're running into, into each other. They disappeared straight to heaven. I never understood this part of the movie. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, people, the, the planes just started, you know, blowing up on their own. Um, meanwhile, the bit, that's not the big event, though, because the big event happens when he's on the plane. Right. Later. Okay, so there's a big fiasco. Buck gets on, uh, uh, gets to, gets, leaves Israel and gets on the plane. The plane is piloted by Rayford Steele. Shortstop for the New York Mets. That's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> he's all-American boy, but he doesn't want to be at home with his wife. He's in the, he's, he leaves to get on the London, the, uh, the London route. He lives in Chicago. Um, uh, he, he gets, he gets out, uh, he gets out this, uh, he gets to Chicago, uh, he, and he lives in Chicago and he's trying to get to, I guess, apparently to New York to fly to London. <laughs> it makes no sense. He just must live there. Oh, I got to leave early. I thought you weren't going to leave till midnight. Oh, boss wants me to go in early so I can fly the New York to London route. Okay. So he leaves his son's birthday party, Timmy. We'll call him Timmy. I can't remember his name. Remy. 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 Yeah. And uh, he leaves Remy's birthday. Uh, Remy's got a birthday hat on. He goes, Dad, are you leaving? Yeah, son, I got to fly that New York to London route. The boss is always beating me up over. Well, okay, Dad. I love you. I hope you got me those new Power Rangers. <laughs> You too, son. Love you too. Kisses his wife goodbye. Long, awkward kiss. Uh, his wife, his his daughter also has to leave to get back to college for exams, is what she says. That's the, all the backstory information on her college career you get. I'm assuming it was a weekend, and they had the birthday party, and she's got to get back because she goes to school in Seattle. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. So they have a conversation about his beliefs and their beliefs. And um, do you remember this conversation at all? I don't remember the conversation, but uh, I remember that afterwards it was very awkward for all involved. They, um, (laughs) mom is browbeating them, according to them. Mom is browbeating them into, you need to be going to church. You really need to learn about God. And, and, you know, here we go. So they're just, you know, beat, you know, and so they, they feel they, they don't mind leaving because they get away from this apparent browbeating of, of, you know, of the wife slash and also mom. <clears throat> anyway, meanwhile, they get on the, Rayford gets on the plane. Um, there's one stewardess, David in the live chat pointed this out. There's one stewardess for this whole plane. And, and that's not like just a, that's not just conjecture, folks. She literally goes from first class to coach and is the only person servicing this plane. When, when all the crud goes down, she's the only one there. Um, you remember the, uh, on, the plane, on, on the plane, okay, you remember uh, the disappearing act, any of the awesome acting? Oh, the, oh yeah, the, the, the old woman across the aisle from Buck. Tell us about it. Oh, so um, Buck is dead asleep at this point. Something happens and he stirs the, the whole, the slow dramatic wake up. Well, it's Kirk Cameron. The He's slow dramatic. dramatic turn to the right, and the old lady is there. She's kind of you know, she's alarmed, and then looks at Buck and says, "I can't find my husband." 
And so they have this whole weird kind of stilted dialogue. Yes. And then he agrees to go check the restroom for the guy. And she gives him a coat and thinks, I think he ran off naked. All of his clothes, folks. All of his clothes. In the chair. Yeah. Um, probably along with his fillings. Probably along with you know everything else worldly that might be left behind. Um, <laughs> as well. And, and his toupee. Um, so they... Um, Buck um, Buck goes to the bathroom to find that there's no one in the bathroom. And then when he starts to return, everyone on this flight was asleep. And they realize, people start realizing there's this mom on there that really, really, really starts freaking out over her kids. Which I guess I would too. If, if, if I woke up from a nap, which I don't sleep on any travel at all. But, I mean, I sleep in, I do sleep. I'm not a vampire, folks. But... <laughs> I, I, you know, I sleep in a hotel. It's nighttime. But if I'm in a car on a plane, I can't sleep. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to miss a thing. Thank you, Steven Tyler. I don't want to miss a thing. So, <clears throat> and um, mom freaks, mom's freaking out. Everyone's trying to figure this out. The one stewardess, flight attendant, they're flight attendants now, Jack. Sorry. Not in- not in 2000. Yeah, I, they were stewardesses in 2000, but I, I need to, I need to, I, I need to, you know, I need to step into the 21st century. <laughs> Ultramat, come on, man. All right. She's freaking out too because she's the only one there. She got all of the food, all the fish handed out to everybody. They had fish that night. It was really bad service. It was really bad airline, airline food that night. And uh, I don't know, they didn't show that part, but you can imagine. Um, and so they ran out of, vo- they ran out of vodka on the way to the. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but but all the fish multiplied on the. Oh, but oh. <laughs> we we served the whole seven forty seven that day with three fish and five five loaves of bread. five ho- five Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> Wonder how many pats of butter they had for all. Mm, I love me some butter. Um, <laughs> so check this out. Um, everyone's freaking out. They've all disappeared. All the kids have disappeared. All the kids skis have disappeared. All of the people are gone. Who abducted these kids? Was it um, the Langoliers? Is Stephen King involved? It feels like a Stephen King scenario. Um, there is a... That happens on the Langoliers, I think. I, I said that, and it kind of does happen on the Langoliers, by the way, uh, which is the worst CGI ever in a made-for-TV movie. Um, <laughs> and basically from this point, folks, here's what, here's what happens. We meet... Um, we, we get back to Chicago. Uh, somehow, they turn the plane around. But he should have, he landed, okay, that's what it is. He landed in New York, but then he was able to get them back to O'Hare in Chicago. I remember him saying that and it being like really confusing, like how? So he goes to his house, Rayford's house. His wife has uh, disappeared. His son has disappeared. The only thing in his bed are his, are his Power Rangers PJs and that same birthday hat he had on. It's the only thing left. And um, he was so sad his dad left. And... Uh, He's crying. He's despondent. He starts watching old v- VCR tapes of the family. The daughter comes back from college exams, um, and Ray, uh, Buck has to come along with him. Basically, from from this point on, the uh, they have got martial law. They can't really leave the house. They get a charter flight uh, to somewhere magical. Basically, <laughs> theories start uh, theories start going around with this nuclear fallout where they're aliens. Uh, maybe some parts of the Book of Revelation. Okay, uh, you said in the pre-show, this stuff is this is kind of based on 
some of the stuff from uh, Revelation. Yeah. Tell us about a little, just briefly. I mean, you don't have to really tamp it down, Scott, but just try to level us out on, on what we got. Well, let me get my research paper. You don't have out. to do that. No. No, the, the audience doesn't want to hear the, uh, your research paper read, read, but tell us a little bit about why, why LaHaye and Jenkins, who created this source material, thought this made sense to put it in a movie. Right. So they take a very literal um, interpretation of the book of Revelation. So for those of you out there, the first three chapters of Revelation are just letters to churches to kind of get them ready for what John the exile thinks is going to happen through the rest of the end times, the eschatology of it all. Yes, eschatology. <laughs> so starting in chapter four, it begins this imagery and these, um, you're looking at different themes that run through that are going to go through all of that. And so what the authors of the book did and, and the screenwriters would do is they take a literal look at this. I mean, this is, they, they, they say, if it's in the Bible, this is what happens. Now they take some creative Liberty, of course, to put it into 2001. Yes. But what they're doing is, is saying, okay, so the Bible says everybody goes and uh, disappears. Yes. Okay. So let's make him disappear. Yep. Okay. Uh, one guy tries to take over. Okay. Let's make one guy. Nikolai Carpathia. Ah, Mother Russia. Boris. And then so, and then you do that. And so they look, <laughs> they look at whatever it happens and they apply it to the current time and place. Okay. So the current time and place we're in is this, uh, this, uh, it's a suburb of Chicago. This Rosemont. private, this private flight. Yeah. Buck is the highest bidder. He bids out this flight. The guy goes, "Hey, we're looking for cash. Who wants? Who am I going to fly to where? Who wants to go where?" And they're like, "I'll give you five thousand dollars if you'll take me to to uh, Spear <laughs> Spearfish, South Dakota. I'll give you sixteen thousand dollars if you take me to Bend, Oregon. Well, I'll give you." And then Buck steps up and goes, "I got twenty five thousand dollars right here if you'll take me to wherever he has to go, the UN or wherever he's flying to." And the guy's like, cash only. And so he... That yeah, makes sense. Exactly. He didn't have a square reader. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have a square reader. <laughs> but Buck has a thick wad of cash, apparently. He's been carrying around $25,000. Don't you have that in your wallet? He's a GNN report. I should have known. Because yes. they're high rollers. <laughs> He's a high roller. Uh, I, I've never even had like a tenth of that in my checking account. And like, think about that. That is a lot of money. And Buck carries and it cash. around. Buck just carries it around in a briefcase. I think that was the entire petty cash of GNN right there. <laughs> GNN. GNN. Gold Network News. Um, so, Green Network News. Um, so, they uh, fly him. <clears throat> they fly him and uh, the daughter. No, the daughter gets him to there. He flies on and learns about more of the plot line. At this point, Dad and Sister have met up with Trevette, uh, Texas Ranger. And they have, uh, he is a preacher, and he shows them this film that this pastor in that town or somewhere had created three years prior. This pastor looks like T.D. Jakes. It is T.D. Jakes. Okay, all right. <laughs> so I wondered if it was T.D. Jakes. It was, folks, you may on TV, T.D. Jakes is still on television, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you may flip through. He's an African-American uh, pastor, uh, you know, well-spoken, well you know, and he has, he is talking about, the, these events happening. He talks about um, the people disappearing. He talks about, and Kirk Cameron will come, and he will have $25,000 in his pocket, and it will seem a miracle, but he will have it. And there will be one, one flight attendant 
on a 747 jet. And it will seem a miracle, but it will happen. That's what he says. Uh, and there will, be, there will be one Jeep in the movie to show a military presence, and it will have a blue siren on it. And they'll just keep showing the same blue Jeep that they rented from Surplus City or wherever they rented this thing Stock from. pictures. Stock pictures. <laughs> anyway, some really good stuff. Um, so basically, folks, from here, I'm going to tell you this right now. Walker is spreading, the, spreading the, the gospel to everybody. The movie at this point from here goes like this. Buck is the MVP. He gathers all the info and answers for you, the viewer. He's telling you about this. He's got the big bad guy in the movie is Nikolai Carpathia. He is the Hollywood Hulk Hogan to the NWO stuff. He's the bad guy. You think, we like this guy. He seems so well-spoken. No, he's evil. He is a sheep in, I almost said, I almost said a sheep in shark's clothing. <laughs> he is a wolf in sheep's clothing in an Armani suit wrapped in a tortilla. What? That sounds, that sounds tasty. That sounds weird. That um, sounds delicious. He's a world leader, uh, and he also has to thank for this crop master, the crop master, as I like to call him, his henchman, his d unknowing uh, Kaim Rosenweig from the very beginning of the movie, who created this invention that apparently uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs this thing, and they can control the world's food source. His idea is not to control the government by military. It's to control the world's food source, and he'll do it. He can also change time because he does this later on, which is really weird. Remember this in I the do. book? Yeah. Nikolai Carpathia uh, creates this event, and it makes these other two bad guys shoot. No, he shoots them, but makes everyone believe that they shot themselves. It's weird, except Buck has given himself to the Lord, so he is not mesmerized by this situation. But Kaim Rosenvig is, uh, like, again, the crop master. You may know him from his previous movie, The Crop Master. Um, Rayford becomes a believer with his daughter. They start spreading the word. Trevette is the uh, pastor, that, like I said, that shows the video of T.D. Jakes to everybody like The Ring. It's kind of like The Ring. When Trevette shows up, he's like, you know what? I think you need to watch this. Watch this video. And then from then on, you're like, hey, he was right. They were right all along. J Jerry B. Jones, Jerry B. Jenkins, <laughs> and Tim LaHaye were right all along. And then the film ends basically in the end. Carpathia doesn't get his uh, uh, comeuppance until the second movie. Maybe the third movie. I think the third movie. Louis Gossett Jr. shows up in the third movie. This You guys know that? And the third movie is an actual movie. And yeah, it's not very good. But it's not like this. This is a big pile, like at times. This is a, this movie, this movie, folks, is like watching a very bad homework movie. And you go, man, I, I thought I should have spent more of my time doing something else. But, well, I guess I'll just do this. Anyway, which makes sense because Kirk Cameron made it. No offense, Kirk, if you're listening to this. Come on the show. I'd love to talk to you. Um, anyway, T.D. Jakes not, uh, was in the movie. Kirk Cameron was in the movie. Um, it ends with him just Buck saying, this is going to be the worst seven years of anybody, but we're going to start a resistance, and we're going to be the Rebel Alliance. Viva la resistance! Viva la resistance! <laughs> Nikolai, you're not going to get us. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about goods and bads and rate this thing and talk about what you've been into lately. See you in a second. Goods and bads, Scott. This movie is filled with many bads. I already know that. It would have not have made... I say that. It, it would not have made it to this show. Um... 
it would not have made it to this show without it being bad at times. I've said that before, and we did Titanic on this show before, and then people were like, what? Why'd you do Titanic? Why'd you talk about Batman versus Superman? Why'd you talk? I mean, it's like anything else. Some people, you know, there's some things that just aren't good. Some people think they're good. Some people think they're bad. I do not like the idea of Jack being frozen on a log at the end of that movie, or the door, or whatever he's frozen to. She could have scooted over and no gave kidding. him some stinking room. No kidding. Anyway, different, different, different episode. Go back in our archives, folks. That's not the Titanic episode. <laughs> All right, so check it out. What are some goods in this movie? So, Trevette, Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. It's great seeing him, man. Always good to see him outside of the Walker franchise. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think he's good in this movie. I think that um, Kirk Cameron's appearance gave some credence to it. Oh, this yeah. was right at the beginning of his whole um, Ray Comfort phase, too. So he was in there, and then he's come out to where he is now. Okay. But there's that whole thing right now. So I thought that was good. Um, I still wonder if the uh, the flight attendant got all the drinks to the people in the plane. How How is that possible? That's a real oversight. And I guess yeah. I just didn't want to put some – anyone. They, she, didn't, she or he, or he, he even yeah. 2000, they were male flight attendants. They – could have just had anyone just stand around oh, oh. a lot of hand gestures act like you're talking to people you don't even have to act, even talk to people i mean let's be honest there's a there's some planes where they have three that you still don't get drinks either so um i uh what what, what so goods for me okay my goods for me were that it was good at the time for i i felt glad that a a group of Christians was willing to do a movie, like, you know what I'm saying, to try to do a movie. And I always appreciate that. Now I'm ripping on it, and we're doing it on this show. But I, I was glad they are willing to step forward. Hey, we'll give this a try. Anything that starts a dialogue's good. They could have done a better job overall, though. I will say this, though. This is a hard target to hit for anybody. And I know that Nick Cage thing from 2014, that was an effort. But even that, was not they, they should have taken some even more liberties with the content and and just made it different. It still felt so stuffy and weird. Anyway, long story short, the goods for me, like I said, the fact that they were willing to even create it, you know, you get kudos for that. Beyond that, I mean, you got a Russian character as the lead villain. I always appreciate a good Boris moose and squirrel scenario in a movie it's fun hearkening back to just the cold war era where that was you know oh they're bad we're good Madarasha. things like that you know gary oldman in air force one you know things like that the bads tell us about some bads scotty so the bads are the acting is over the top in this movie it is way over the top it's like if your line is Oh look, there's something over there. It comes out to be, oh look, there's something over there. We're back to the Tommy Wiseau uh, thought in the in the room, though. And Phil and I talk about this a lot. My favorite, one of my favorite movies I've ever done is The Room. And what was what was there, what was Tommy's idea in that in that movie about emotion? Oh, like filming the movie? Yes. So he was, um, like, he thought, like, more emotion was always a good thing. More, so, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. No, so, like, if you are, like, kind of sad, then you just, like, erupt in tears. <laughs> or, like, if you're, like, really angry, you just start shouting at everybody. <laughs> and so this is the same. He, Tommy Wiseau, this thing where he's, he's just, like, 
here we go. Like, we got to freak out. Anyway, everyone's, like, the, the baby, like, like the child, my, my kids are gone. Where are my kids? Ah, not without my, not without my daughter. Ah. And so, so then it's like, you know, it's, everything's over the top. And there, so then when you've done that, you take it to the max, there is no dynamic. There's no way to bring it back. You in. can't come back. You cannot yeah. come back from that. Um, uh, the other bads, it just, man, at times looks just so bad. I mean, the action scene stuff looks bad. Um, the dialogue back and forth is pretty clunky. Kirk Cameron's not horrible, but he's Kirk Cameron. I mean, it's like, it's like Michael J. Fox could be a bunch of different characters. He was a good actor. He was a solid actor, and he went from being Teen Wolf to being Marty McFly to being in Spin City to being in other stuff, you know, and being in things that were legit. You know, yeah. Kirk Cameron is only Ben Seaver or whatever his name. Uh, what's his name? Mike Seaver. Mike Seaver. Mike, he's yeah. only Mike Seaver. He's the he's the ABC poor man's version of Michael J. Fox, and it's what he was in Growing Pains. That's all that show was, right? You know, and he just never could get away from that. His biggest movie is Fireproof. His biggest thing he's been in is Fireproof, technically. Right. And that was a similar, like this. It's, you know, Christian-directed type thing, you know. Um, <laughs> in the live, I've talked about live chat, folks. If you go on Spreaker.com, you can join in the live chat uh, when we record. Uh, hey, yeah, D David said in the live chat, uh, should just let should have just let them open the door on the 747. <laughs> that would have taken care of this whole mess. <laughs> And another plane went down, yeah, and the movie's know. over. All right. <laughs> roll, uh, the, roll the credits. You roll the credits. So uh, the music in this thing is bad. I mean, just it, it's not very good. Uh, there are a couple, a couple praise and worship type songs. There are um, a number of just different, you know, things in here that are just not, not the best ever. Um, that doesn't lend itself to much. And then um, just the overall dialogue, the action's bad. Um, Again, this movie, not as heavy-handed about the message as the new one. The new one is like almost persecuting people. It does this weird thing where the there's a lady in the new one. She persecutes Buck for something he said on TV, and then he's trying to defend himself, and then later on she's one of the people that disappears. And it's like, and it's this weird like, well, what were you trying to get across here? You know, like, like. Anyways, weird. Well, in a message-driven movie like this, if you want to get a message across, yeah. that's the point. And so you cram everything about the message into this. And that's what they did. They crammed yeah. all this stuff. And they're like, we got to tell this part and this part. Yeah. And we're out of time. And there are too many parts. To, that's right. And there's th too many this parts. This is weird content um, from, a, from a book standpoint and from a, like a secular standpoint. How could you explain this to – I mean – it's harder to explain to people, and they, they get the. Uh, there are people, a lot of people that know the overall story, but they don't know the the real, you know, nuts and bolts part of it's it. It's like so. if you want to uh, here, go read the book of Revelation. Better yet, watch this movie; it'll tell you everything. Yeah. No, don't do. No, that. don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you can in our horrible movie podcast book club. That's right. In the month of January and February, we'll be featuring the Left Behind series by Jerry B. Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. Um. Anyway. Sponsored by, <laughs> sponsored by the South Dakota Tourism Board. Um, so let's do this. Let's rate this movie, Scott. Okay, one horrible being bad, still bad. Five horribles being uh, the worst thing you can imagine watching. 
eye, eye ears and eyes exploding, um, and maybe disappearing in general. Maybe so, that, that would be good though. That would be a good thing. I don't feel like it was that bad, but I would probably give it a solid three and three quarters. Okay, I got it. Three. Okay, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a solid four because they trotted it out in theaters, and it's not. It's it's a made for TV movie at best. It is a Hallmark movie. My wife and I over over the break have we watched a ton of Hallmark movies, a ton. You sit down, you watch the Hallmark movie, and it's just like brutal. But you watch it anyway. Um, Jack, did you know that this movie was originally released on DVD and then came to theaters yeah, that's, second? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. What were you saying that? Yeah, earlier? I, said, okay. I said that earlier. Okay. Um, because they, they, I think they had such. I'm telling you, this was a huge franchise of things, and this first movie, the DVD part of it, made them a lot of money. Like, yeah, everyone, like well, everyone Christ, in the in, yeah. in church circles and things like that, yeah, yeah, bought this thing. Yeah. Or watched it at a church on a DVD or whatever. What, what, so, I mean, I'm sure that's true. What a bizarre thing to release it in theaters three months after everyone's already owned the DVD. Like, Absolutely. who's going to watch it in the theater if you already have it at home? Or, like, yeah. if you were in, interested in watching it at all when you have already watched it? Absolutely. Like, it's really, really weird. Totally. It, it uh, Its first week in theaters, it debuted at 17th. Like, it was 17, there were 16 movies doing better box office that weekend than... On its it, made four, it made four point two million dollars. <laughs> Phil, do you have a movie that's made four point two million dollars? No. Where <laughs> his budget was four million dollars, folks. So. Uh, it came out uh, when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was still. Oh wow! That's a blast from the past. <laughs> cool. Um, I really find um, I, I find that I think about that a lot. That it's a weird thing that they do with movies like this, where I don't know. I can't think of another movie. You get those the real the the real critically acclaimed movies that you can't ever find in theaters, but then they're winning a bunch of awards. You know, and they have a short, a smaller release that's similar to this, but this is more like I, I can't think of another scenario. Uh, we talked about I already talked about the room once on this on this podcast in this episode, but you know, uh, the room uh, is going to be in theaters January tenth, a one day deal here? in here in Springfield wow. and all over the country. So I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tweet out later to Tommy Wiseau that I promoted his movie. All right, folks, January 10th. Look online. The Room in theaters, January 10th. Uh, if, it's a one-day deal. They'll, they'll double feature it with the Disaster Artist. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't, the Disaster Artist might be out of theater. Yeah, maybe. it's a separate deal, I think. So anyway, good for them. Good for that guy, right? Anyway, uh, there you go. Uh, so long story short. Um, that is, uh, the big movie, uh, any, uh, Boris or Nikolai, uh, related things you want to talk about? Uh, other than my claw hammer throw. Oh, how was the world <laughs> record claw hammer throw? Yeah. Um, I, I throw many meters in claw hammer. <laughs> I will break you. <laughs> I will break you. Scott, what? Have you been into lately? We've talked before about our about our podcast, um, the commute. But beyond that, what have you been into lately, sir? So uh, I've been listening to um, just with podcasts on days that we don't ride together. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw on a revisionist history podcast by Malcolm Gladwell. Good. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. super good. Uh, listen to Thirty for Thirty podcasts from ESPN. Uh, those are really good. Just additional ones on their documentary series. 
um, throw in a lot of books like during football season when we'd have games on mm-hmm. different days. Yes. Uh, I got a book and uh, it was called In the Kingdom of Ice. And it's about uh, the people who were searching for a water route to the North Pole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me it was about awesome. It was really good. And they failed. And they failed, yes. They, and they froze. Yes, they all wow. but like seven of them died. And that's how the story got told was that yes. the people that got back. So, yeah, I thought that one was really good. I've read a lot of by, by that guy's name's Hampton Sides. Mm-hmm. He also does a book on uh, James Earl Ray, which I got about halfway through before I take, uh, take it back. So I'm planning to pick that one back up. And then I also watched uh, Guardians 2 over the break. Oh, yeah, that's good. And we also watched uh, Hidden Figures, yep. both both very good. So, Cool. Hidden Figures um, uh, about the Apollo 13 folks that helped out, right? Uh, Mercury 7. So it was, it was before Apollo 13. But okay. yeah, same same general time frame. Uh, they got zero credit basically at the time, right? Pretty much. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I, um, over the break, have got to, we watched, I've seen The Last Jedi twice. Oh, really? And the second time, um, I, I feel a little bit better about it, but I still am scratching my head at why, you know? like uh, There's not going to be any spoilers on. right now, right? What's that? There's not going to be any spoilers right I'm now. I'm not right? going to. I'm just going to say okay. my reaction is that my reaction is still very much like, yeah, I could have done this or this. Well, here's what intrigues me about The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, did this, did this one, did The Last Jedi. J.J. Abrams did uh, The Force Awakens. <laughs> and... <laughs> JJ's going to come back on and do the, the ninth one. Yeah. Like, Ryan clearly took some stuff that JJ started and just didn't even do anything with it. Yeah. Or, or bypassed or it completely. It up, yeah. And then JJ's got to come back on. Is that right? Or was that planned? I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Weird. Uh, anyway, a lot of Hallmark movies over the break. Uh, watched the first uh, uh, Black Mirror episode. I haven't got to see the no. Everyone, I've, six I've seen two in season. It's season four. Okay. Of Black Mirror on Netflix. Hide your kids on that one. This is not. It's not a family friendly thing to watch. Uh, is I mean, that unlike the previous ones? Or no, the previous ones are pretty boring right. at times. Okay. And there's some. It's TVMA. I think. I, I believe. Um, but anyway, yeah. I. I mean, you guys do what you want, but. My kiddo is not going to watch that. Not going to be around when I watch that. <laughs> With that said, though, that first episode, uh, Aaron Dicer said this as well. I saw this on a tweet of, of his that uh, that first episode w- that of this season would be possibly uh, one of the top twenty movies he's seen all of 2017. Wow! How many how many movies does Aaron Dicer watch a year? Um, it's right around 150. Yeah. Yeah. So a ton. And he watches all the like, and, and and as far as sci-fi goes, I would agree um, that it is uh, it's the best sci-fi I maybe have seen all year. So he would he would rank 130 movies this year lower than that. one Absolutely, episode. and it's an hour and 25 hour and 30 minute TV show. Wow, it's cool. Wow. Like cool. it's really good. It's 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 really smart. Like Black Mirror is really cool because of its technology basically kind of run amok. But it's kind of done to have like Twilight Zone's done if you've not seen it at all. But it's kind of like, it's a it, they're standalone episodes, and I like that about it because it's not you just watch it and like I said, it's pretty scary though. Like I get scared by that show. I'm literally like <laughs> I will wake up in the middle of the night sometimes, uh, and I'll like after watching some of those shows and be like, woo, give, give me the heebie-jeebies. Have you seen it, Phil? No, I've not seen it at all. Dude, Black Mirror, like it's good. Scott, you, have, 
<laughs> have you seen Get Out, the movie Get Out? I've not seen it yet. That, I think that might be my favorite movie from 2017. Wow. Yeah, cool. it, it is really, really awesome. good. Have you seen it, Jack? I've not seen it. I've heard good things. So, so. Sip Pop just did their like top 10, or uh, yeah, top 10 movies of 2017, and then like their number one movie. Like So, Sip Pop, one of the other shows on the studio, DNA Network, uh, quick plug for them, yeah. um, uh, does like ha- they have all these guests gurus on the show kind of like Scott you're the, our guru our, our horrible movie gu- guru today and they got like all these collected uh, scores and votes from all of them and it was the number one movie wow. from everyone that that they that had been on the show that That's submitted cool. votes so it, it's really good the, the reason I mention it is because um, one, one of the actors in one of the Black Mirror episodes is the lead actor in the movie hmm. and um, apparently he's even better in the movie than he is in Black Mirror so I'm just saying, like that 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 series is darn good, and uh, you guys should all go check it out. Uh, Jared, again, I'll go back to live chat, folks. Go to Springer.com, and you can kind of join in the join in the live chat fun. Uh, I am a little afraid of technology, Jared. That's that's actual brutal brutal honesty. He says I am. <laughs> to be honest, you're a little, you already a little afraid of technology. I am. I don't trust it. I've been impressed. I don't trust technology. I, I, I've been impressed, Scott, that Jack is actually bringing a mic- bringing a microphone into the car. And actually recording a conversation. That's that's a big step. Hey, we, we were driving. We were driving <laughs> a couple weeks ago. And I'm holding this microphone. Scott's driving. And I'm reaching out, holding it. This lady passes us on the right. Right? We had just passed her? No, she come off of James River. Yeah, that's what it was. We got to the left. She zips past us. And, <laughs> and she got mad at us. And I've got this microphone. I'm sure she's just like, what's happening in there? <laughs> like, this guy's got this laptop on his lap. Got a microphone in this other guy's face. What's happening, anyway? So the commute, folks, check it out. Um, anyway, so folks, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, we have had a lot of fun. Scott, um, you're always welcome back. Um, you, uh, you just take care. We'll see you down the road, and that's literal. Uh, have a good rest of the break. We only got a couple days left. Thank you, Jack. Okay, um, folks, thanks for tuning in. And remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. The Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. The Horror Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorribleviepodcast.com.